We are in Surah the Sabah, Surah number 34. In the translation copy you have in front of you is page 714. <laughs> الحمد لله الذي له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وله الحمد في الآخرة وهو الحكيم الخبير يعلم ما يلج في الأرض وما يخرج منها وما ينزل من السماء وما يعرج فيها وهو الرحيم الكفور After سورة الأحزاب where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises the ranks of the Prophet and shows the Muslim community the status of the Prophet ministry and himself that he is to be honored and revered and respected at all times uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that he also is worthy of praise and his rank in their eyes should be absolute, eternal and universal. So he begins this surah with the word Alhamdu. All praise is due to Allah. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by definition owns all praise. Alhamdulillah. All praise is for God alone, is for Allah alone. That independent of whatever He does, He owns praise. Praise belongs to Him. He deserves praise. This is the way we should see Allah uh, through the lens of praise where you see goodness in His creation. So the positive image, if you want to call it that, aqidah of Allah is necessary for every Muslim just as the positive aqidah vis-à-vis Rasul sallallahu mentioned in Surah Al-Hazab previously is also Necessary. So Allah named His Nabi okay, through this word also. This word is Hamd, Hamim and Dal. And in the name of the Prophet, you have the same letters, same root letters, Muhammad. The root letter being Hamd. Right. So you have Hamid. Mahmud and Muhammad. So, Muhammad is someone who is praised the most, continuously praised. 
So Allah says, now you've understood why Muhammad is to be praised. So praise him by sending salat and durood upon him, which was mentioned in the surah. Now, the reason why Muhammad is praised is because he draws that praise from Allah, who owns praise. Alhamdulillah. You have to make sure that the previous ayah and the surah merges into the next surah. So it's one complete, uh, uh, continuous reading. And it's not dissected or disjointed. More often than not, readers of the Qur'an, uh, they do not join one ayah with another, one surah with another. And that's how sometimes you don't read the whole story. You have to read the whole story before. You can sit down, analyze, and determine and conclude what the book is about. So what's written at the end will summarize what's written in the beginning. What's written in the beginning is going to lead you to what's going to be written at the end. One complete reading recitation. So the Quran is a recitation, a complete recitation. So the question is, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Begin this surah with Alhamdu after Surah Al-Hazab, which seems to be a bit more uh, kind of uh, you know uh, informative and instructive rather than something that is uh, going to be more of a you know litany type of uh, statement where you are making du'a and singing the praise of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Anyway. Um, so praise for the Rasul وسلم, is not only because of the, the, the status of his ministry and his position and his office, but also linguistically. Right? That in the language and in the word, Alhamd, you will see Muhammad. And in Muhammad, you will see Alhamd. Linguistically. So there, there is some. Uh, theological and linguistic continuation mm. uh, so that you appreciate the Qur'an's ijaz, the Qur'an's uh, inimitability where it renders the reader and the listener incapable of producing anything like it. And that's how you read the Qur'an. That you can't reproduce the Qur'an, hence the translation does not do justice to what I've just said. You can't translate the Qur'an. It's very difficult. If not impossible, on many occasions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alhamdu, all praise, whether you see the praise for Muhammad sallallahu alayhi or you don't see it, all praise belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by definition who Allah is. But as with every other claim that the Qur'an makes, it is always going to is always going to be followed by some kind of proof. Allah, when He makes a claim, is going to back it up. Uh, whereas human beings, when they make claims, they try to back it up, and sometimes they succeed and sometimes they fail. So Allah says, "Why is all praise due to Allah, Allahi lahu ma fi samawati wa ma fi the one for whom alone belongs?" What does, what does 
what belongs to Allah, everything in the heavens and everything on earth totally, absolutely, exclusively belongs to Allah. That is why all praise belongs to Allah. So praise is a value and a commodity that is in the universe, in the heavens and the earth. So everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to Allah. Praise also belongs to Allah. That's what. If you say praise is independent of anything that Allah does, which is what we believe, then you will say, the proof is the fact that Allah created the heavens and the earth, and that's why He is worthy of praise. I, this person is a good cook, and you say, I'll be the judge of that. So when do you judge the person's cooking? When you've eaten their food? This person is a good architect? So, okay, let me see what you've done. And then you say, good, you are a good architect, after you've seen what the person has done. This person is a good teacher, let me sit in his class, and if I enjoy what he's saying, then he's a good teacher. So your Allah subhanahu is asking human beings that don't just take my word for it. Look around you in the heavens and the earth. Who can claim that the heavens and the earth and everything in it belongs to him? No one. No one's that big enough to say, I own everything in the, the heavens and the earth. You say, I own this little piece of land called the USA. And you can say, I own this part of the world and I own this amount of money and this and this and that. I have these accolades and this degree and whatever. But it's minuscule compared to what Allah is claiming. Allah is claiming that everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to him. Why? Because he created everything in the heavens and the earth. And that's why he is worthy of praise by definition. So you have to get your mind wrapped around the whole idea that, uh, you know, Allah is who he is because of what he does. What does he do? He creates everything in the heavens and the earth. And then he says, once you have understood this, that everything within time and space belongs to Allah. Then Allah says, don't stop there. Even when time and space expires, praise belongs to Him. Eternally. The praise within time and space belongs to Allah. Lahu samawati wa And praise belongs to Allah after time and space in the Akhirah on the Day of Judgment when time will be now sorted. So this is, why, this is how Allah says that praise belongs. That's one. What is the, 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 the purpose or one of the what is the intent behind saying this? The intent behind making such a claim is that when you live in this world, within time and space, you must have a positive attitude and approach towards everything in the heavens and the earth. You cannot afford to have a negative one, because that's not praiseworthy. You can't have a bleak outlook. You cannot be a pessimist. You can't be a defeatist. You can't be somebody who gives up. 
This is how you see this ayah. That Islam is saying that when you read the Quran and when you see how Allah is presenting Himself, that everything He does is praiseworthy. Likewise, if there's a situation you're in, whether it's financial, physical, personal, uh, domestic, national, local, academic, intellectual, what have you, who cares? Alhamdulillah should come out from your mouth. Right? Then, ala kulli hal, basically. In any condition, which is phenomenal, you will not get that in any other civilization. Everything's okay. Not everything's okay. Everything's praiseworthy. Allah has made this situation for us. Now, what you do, is that you, you rely on Allah and you rely in your faith in Allah to now negotiate what's in front of you. And you don't give up. You say there must be an answer, solution. Either through my dua, my dhikr, my ibadah, my trust, my tawakkul on Allah, or whatever, my patience. Where patience is also praiseworthy. The fact that human beings give up and then they start blaming God. God didn't help me. I gave so many thousands of dollars in Sadhguru last year, nothing happened to me. That's not praiseworthy. There's been a bigot. God doesn't have to do anything for you. He doesn't need you. So there, patience and gratitude, sabr and shukr, is what comes out from hamd. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created people who have sabr and as you'll see later on in the surah. The surah describes a great civilization known as the civilization of Sheba, Saba. And then at the end of that, in shakur, the ayah will mention. That in that there are signs, great signs for those who are very patient and very grateful. So, the mind that the Qur'an develops is very optimistic, very positive, except that it has to be enduring. It has to be long-lasting. I mean, until you die, you do this. And the end result is, وَلَهُ الْحَمْدُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ That praise in the Akhirah belongs to Allah. Because Allah will reward you for your patience, and He will reward you for your gratitude, and He will forgive you your sins. That is where the praise will come. Fullfold manifests upon you. Not in this world. Right? So we seek results only in this world. That is the problem. That we want Islam to be in our re, you know, Islam to reclaim the previous glory that it once had. And you have to work towards it. You can't give up. Are you willing to work towards it? If you're not, then sit down, be quiet. Make zikr. And be grateful you still have a life. If you're willing to work towards it, then be patient. You can't have it both. So whether it's a micro macro issue of Islam and the Muslim and the Ummah, or it's a micro issue, your own issues in your life, in your little issues, relative to the micro issues. You have to endure and go all the way. So that when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you can at least make a fake claim I tried to be optimistic and I tried to be patient and I did my best, although my best was not good enough. But if it's always doom and gloom, 
and everyone's going to now suffer and this and so Allah then says, وَهُوَ الْحَكِيمُ الْخَبِيرُ Just to make sure that you know he is full of praise, he is worthy of praise, and that he is also very, very wise, eternally wise. He is all-wise, al-hakim. So he, when he operates, he operates with his eternal wisdom, which uh, obviously runs with his eternal knowledge. Allah knows, يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفُهُمْ In one ayah, so ayah al-Kursi. And in this, in the next ayah, Allah mentions the same concept and the same theory. Al-Khabir, the one who is totally, eternally aware of everything that everyone has done, is doing and will do. So when you are that aware and alert, then you can work out the consequences and forecast what the future is. That's called experience. So when you're an experienced and seasoned cook, or a seasoned and experienced architect, or a seasoned and experienced teacher, you'll know where your your students and your candidates are going to be in the next five years or ten years. And you instruct them and you mentor them. So Allah subhanahu knows everything about everyone, so he is in a position to instruct and mentor. Anyone, everyone whom he has created. If you do this, this is going to happen. If you do this, this is going to happen. So he gives guidance. And that guidance is also worthy of praise. Because he guides you. He guides you through his knowledge. What does he know? So Allah now mentions the microscopic knowledge that he has under his command. Very piercing, penetrating words. He knows everything that comes into the earth, that is inserted in the earth, yaliju, that penetrates the earth, if you want to say that. Walaja, yaliju means to enter. And ilaj means to insert, and so on. So the Quran says, yulijul layla fil nahar, wa yulijul nahar fil layl. That Allah inserts the night into the day, and the day into the night, as if you were inserting a piece of paper into an envelope. So when you see the, the earth from the outside, this is what's happening. You can see it on the globe. If you see pictures of that, you'll see exactly what the Quran is saying. Who does this? Who has the ability to insert night into day? And day into night, which is every second, right? every second, perpetual, with ease and comfort that nobody feels that. When you're inserting a letter into an envelope, you, you can feel it. But when the night comes in, they don't feel it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has now given us so much rahmah and comfort that we don't feel what Allah does with great ease. Otherwise, that requires tremendous strength in order to exercise and execute and enforce that kind of power authority on, on the globe, on the planet, and then regulate night and day with great ease, as if it doesn't exist. As you will see in the story of Dawood, Consider Yaliju, something that we must appreciate, has a deeper meaning than what the and translation might give you. If you understand the Arabic 
in its totality. So this is what Allah does. Whatever enters the earth, so light enters the earth from space, and the seeds enter the earth physically into the ground, into the soil, and everything else. So there is so many details to this statement. وَمَا يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا And he knows whatever comes out from it, from the earth, and your carbon dioxide, and your other pollutants, and he knows how the seeds sprout out from the earth. Right? So whether it's in the atmosphere here or on the earth. Allah knows. This is his microscopic knowledge. That he knows everything that is there. That is worthy of praise. That one being is doing all of this knowingly. And with great awareness. Al-Khabir. And with great eternal wisdom. Al-Hakim. Where nothing is done in such a way that is destructive. To exercise this kind of power and knowledge, invariably human beings will become destructive because I can. I can do what I want to. Allah says no. He exercises this with his eternal wisdom and his ability to train and develop human beings. He also knows whatever comes down from the skies. The rain, the radiation. Everything else that comes from other sources in the heavens or the celestial beings and knowledge that comes down from the the Arsh, from Jibreel into the minds and hearts of the Prophets and the Quran that came down to the Prophet He knows all of that. And he also knows everything that now ascends into the heavens. The word, the preposition, fi, is very remarkable. Not ilayha, not towards it. So the heavens is already something, a reality, they exist. And it is as if that when you're going into the heavens upwards, you're floating on water or you're swimming in the sea. It's like that. That's, you, that's the way you'll justify the word fi there in it, as it climbs into it. This is a body there, and you climb into the heavens, as uh, the people who have been there, meaning the prophets and the angels, will testify to us. Allah knows everything. Everything that you need in order to exist, Allah knows. So when he knows all of this at a microscopic level, at a macroscopic level, then why do you not believe that he can help you in this situation? When the farmer sows a seed into the ground, into the earth, he doesn't know how the seed is going to sprout out. He just sows the seed, waters the earth around it, make sure the elements are okay, the wind, the sun, the moon, everything is there. The cold and the heat is there. And then Allah brings it out. If you tamper with it, then you destroy human beings. <laughs> right? That's unethical. You don't tamper with it. You let it grow the way it's supposed to. Likewise, through this analogy, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that when you tamper with what I want you to do in your life, then you'll destroy your life. Let it be the way I designed it to be. And that is, you believe in Allah, you trust in Allah, you do what Allah wants you to do. 
just as the farmer does what he wants to do. He sows the seed and lets the seed grow. The seed is not going to come out any earlier than when Allah wants it to. And it's not going to yield anything more than what Allah wants it to. It's not designed that way. There is a divine design to what Allah has created. Likewise, the design, there's a divine design in the way He created you. If you behave the way He designed you to behave, then there's probably nothing in the world that's going to harm you, hurt you, even though the elements may be against you. Right. No? So when the, the, the seed eventually becomes a tree, does it go through all the elements throughout the year? In the open. I don't think greenhouse. That's a different story. Greenhouse man-made. In the open. The tree will go through the wind, the cold, the snow, the ice, the heat, the rain. All the extreme elements will be on this tree. Does it survive? Sure it does. Does it yield fruit? Sure it does. Likewise, a human being must appreciate that you're designed to withstand all these elements in your life too. Then what do you do? You succumb? You say, that's it, I give up. I don't want to be a tree anymore. Someone chop me down. Take me to the shrink. Give me medicine. Make me more sick than I already am. Let me get some counsel from my friends who are evil and lead me towards sin. Right? Let me be guided by the wrong people. Let me have a life standard or a philosophy of life that promotes me into hell. And then ask God after I finish. God, I've done everything you did not want me to do, so now you save me. That's human philosophy. Right? Oh, speculation over speculation. Anyway, so now, when, when you take the analogy that the Quran is given, that he knows everything that's in the earth, he knows everything that comes out from the earth, he knows everything that comes down from the skies, and he knows everything that goes back to the sky, and then is received by the angels and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, who will either reward or punish, because as the Prophet said, if your salat is not done in a good way, it tries to ascend into the first heaven, and the angels throw it back down. It's garbage. We don't want this. Rejected. Return to sender. And it's for free. It comes back on your face, the Prophet Sallallahu said. It comes right back on your face. There's no sincerity. Your wudu was incorrect. Your tajweed was incorrect. Your focus was not there. Nothing was there. You just did it because you wanted to do it. No, thank you. We don't take anything that's mediocre. So the Quran says, "Ilahi yasadul kalim tayyib." That the good word, meaning La ilaha illallah, now by its own design, works upwards, climbs. Yasad. When amalus salihu through Allah's fadl, the good deed, yarfahu, Allah raises. It. Meaning, the good deed is not good enough to climb. So Allah raises higher, so that eventually gets to his destination by Allah's forgiveness 
Allah's pardon, Allah's acceptance. That's how you see you and your actions, your good deeds. So you see your good deeds as being cultivated and raised by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't see them as, as deserving of any praise. So on the day of judgment, and Allah rewards us, inshallah, through his fadl, the deed will be a good deed. It won't be an incomplete deed. That's Allah's fadl. That's who he is. We don't take anything that's mediocre when we need something to be perfect, do we? We shout and scream and yell. Yell, I mean, it's deficient, it's wrong. Uh, you can't get anything right. So now the farmer's no good, the engineer's no good, the cook is no good, the architect's no good, your handyman is no good, yeah, your spouse is no good, your children no good. No one's good, so there's no praise anywhere you do. Allah subhanahu is saying to the human being, hey look, get off your so-called high horse or whatever it is you're mounted on. Not a horse, the other animal. Yeah, and give it up. Because when you do a good deed, Although it's incomplete and it's not sincere, I'm the one that raises it. Allah says, the good deed I raise, even though it's deficient. And I allow it to go up so that on the day of judgment, I will give you its reward because uh, I am noble and generous. Al-Kareem. So look at this. When the good deed is this way, then uh, how does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deal with bad deeds? Yeah, bad deeds are human beings, they? they commit all evil deeds all the time. What does Allah do? So there's a nizam of the angels, system of the angels, nizam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, the farmer sows the seed, the rest is up to Allah. The farmer takes care of the plant does whatever he needs to do in order to make sure the plant is not destroyed and is not, uh, you know, taken over by the elements and so on and so forth. The animals and the insects and the pests are nowhere near the plants and so on. So you do this much of uh, maintenance and, uh, you know, keeping. The rest is in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's hand and uh, we, Allah will say that we are the ones who will raise this plant and the seed become a tree and it will bear fruit uh, because of all its endurance against the elements. So if you have issues and problems in your life, those are elements. Your natural elements, you know, your severe storms and your wind and your snow and your ex- uh, excessive heat, all of that is part of your life. Without that, you wouldn't have a life on this planet. It's not possible. Otherwise, it would be very tedious, very monotonous, very boring. You don't want to become greenhouse human being specimens. That's not natural. That's unnatural. Where you're regulated by someone else and something else. Then Allah makes the emphatic statement, what I was alluding to. That He is the one who is eternally graceful, compassionate, merciful, and eternally forgiving. Very, very forgiving. So the analogy there is that just as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has designed everything in the cosmos to work in such a way, except that there the law uh, of that design uh, will break if it's wrong. 
Whereas the law of human beings and the, the law of human actions, they don't break because of Allah's fadl, Allah's rahmah, Allah's maghfirah and forgiveness. If you sow the wrong seed in the wrong piece of land, it will not grow. It is that exact, as we know. Right? You're trying to get a date palm uh, tree to grow in Chicago. And you ask Allah, make this tree grow. Uh, good luck with that. It ain't happening. It needs a different climate. So you have to go there and plant it. But Allah's fadl upon the human being is different. Yeah. Allah's fadl is that, yeah, Allah, we are here uh, stranded in the U.S. of A. Help us. Allah says, okay, I'll help you. We're not supposed to grow here because we are supposed to grow in, in a, a warmer climate where we came from. <laughs> the date palm climate. Not here. Here potatoes grow, apples grow, pears grow. Mm. Dates don't grow. It's a, a Muslim and a non-Muslim environment yeah, is that way. But technically, mechanically, we're not supposed to grow here because the environment is not conducive to the growth of Muslims and Islam. Period. But through Allah's fadl, okay. He's very compassionate, very merciful, very forgiving. Muslims are doing diddly squat to help themselves in this country. But somehow, through Allah's fadl, they still survive. They're not extinct. They're still alive. Things are still going on. People still pray. Fast, give zakat, still go for murahaj. And still mention Allah's name. This is how Allah works. So we see that this is now worthy of praise. If we keep on doing what Allah wants us to do, He will do what is otherwise known as the impossible. That's His system also. No? Ibrahim when he left his offspring, uh, Ismail, in the desert of Bakka, meaning where the Zamzam is, he says, "Rabbana inni askantu min zurriyati biwadin ghairi di zarain." Allah, my Lord, I'm leaving my offspring in a valley which has no vegetation. Period. I'm sowing the seed in a desert where there's no water. Ghairi di zarain. But what's the mercy in the baytikal muhabba? The blessing is, is around your blessed house. The seed is around your blessed house, where the Zamzam came. So now, in that place where nothing is supposed to grow, you find that everyone flocks there. Who flocks there? The Americans, McDonald's, and the big clock, uh, tower, everything that is Western is now there in the desert. As a result of Ibrahim al-Islam's dua in the cosmos, not Islamically, but it's there. It's a cosmological dua of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Ibrahim al-Islam make. Because he was going to separate the non-Muslim from the Muslim. And he said, feed them. 
Ibrahim Islam's first dua that whoever believes in Allah in the last day, feed them here. Allah said, no. Woman kafir. Even those who are non-Muslims, I will feed here. Right. So, the Quraysh who were non-Muslim, they were fed. And now these people, McDonald's and its culture, they're being fed. Allah's nizam. That in a desert, Allah can feed. And the people who are now giving the food and risk, they are coming from everywhere in the world. That all the hearts of people, uh, they are gravitating towards that place. So Ibrahim salam, like all the other prophets, they are full of praise for Allah. They know how Allah works. Likewise, we should not be that frail uh, and uh, pessimistic about our own individual microscopic lives where things go wrong in our lives or things are not happening the way they want or they should happen and we freak out and we become so frail on that. We pray five times a day but we don't believe in Allah. We make dua and dhikr we still don't believe in Allah. We give sadqah and we still don't believe in Allah. Allah says, look, you're still alive. I'm still feeding you. I'm still giving you what I give you because that's the way the world works. And it's all full of praise. The idea is that once you have this mindset that praise is for Allah and whatever Allah creates and does is worthy of praise at a macroscopic level, then you see the praise coming down at a microscopic level also. But if you don't get the macro right, you won't get the micro right. You don't see yourself as being blessed with Allah, the Rasul, the Quran, Islam. You don't see it as being worthy of praise. That's why you, you fail in your evaluation of you and the people around you. Then he says, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. So you're supposed to ask Allah because he's the one who's going to help you. If help does not come in the way that you expect, then the second thing is sabr. If it comes the way you expect, then it's shukr, gratitude. If it doesn't come the way you expect, then it's sabr, patience. And both are values that are praiseworthy. And if you don't see them as praiseworthy values, then you are not fit to be a human being, basically. Because you don't say Alhamdulillah and not think this way. Once you say Alhamdulillah, you're positive, you're optimistic, you believe in Allah's abilities and powers and His eternal knowledge, His wisdom, and you go forward in life day by day, step by step, and incident by incident, without, uh, you know, as I said, succumbing to the elements around us. Allah then says, to conclude, this line is a long, long ayah. If we discuss it now and finish, that's fine. Otherwise, the next time. Those who don't believe and disbelieve, meaning they don't see Allah as being praiseworthy, they don't see Allah as being the owner of praise, those who disbelieve in that, what do they say? They say, La ta'atina 
the final hour will not come upon us. Therefore, we do not need to prepare for death. We don't need to prepare for life after death because it's not coming. Okay. We will live in this world the way we want to and whatever happens, happens. So the way we want to is we want to feel sorry for ourselves. We want to be pessimistic. We want to blame and criticize and whine and complain because the last hour is not coming. Yeah. So lies warning people that not only is your own death coming, Death of the universe is also coming, which is the final hour. A is the death of the universe, as we know it. That's coming, which is macro. Your own death, which is micro, that's guaranteed, and you know that. So when you say nothing in the world is going the way it should, then that might be a sign of the day of judgment. Except that you're too foolhardy to notice it. So when uh, the storm is coming and you're sitting there eating your nachos, not preparing for the storm, and you behave in such a way nothing will happen, then, then something happens. It's too late. There's nothing you can do. This is the meaning of this eye. That not only, it's not about disbelief in words only. It's about disbelief in your attitude and approach to what's around you at this moment. What's around you is that there's a dark cloud around you. Can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help you? Yes. The way he helped Yunus al-Islam in the whale's belly. The way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped Ibrahim al-Islam in the fire. The way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala helped Musa al-Islam when he was cornered on one side by the army of the Fir'aun and the Red Sea in front of him. Can Allah help you escape and deliver you? Sure he can. You don't believe that there's a day of judgment. You don't believe that you're responsible for your thoughts, for your actions, for engagement or the lack thereof. And you don't see any hope anywhere. And then you say, I'll do what I need to do because this is the only life I have. And then you start behaving and acting like an atheist. La ta'atina sa'a. The day of judgment is not coming. I'm not going to prepare because I don't need to. Whatever happens there, I'll take care of it. If it happens at all. So Allah subhanahu wa says, قُلْ بَلَىٰ وَرَبِّي Say to them, O Muhammad sallam, declare, not at all. And in fact, yes, it is coming definitely by my Lord. I swear by my Lord, وَرَبِّي that it is coming. And I'm warning you that if you don't prepare for that, you cry tears of blood. But it will be too late. That's the laugh. Yeah. So you take care of yourself, take care of your family, take care of everything around you. Don't walk in the world today with this dark cloud around you as if you are walking around and running like a chicken without a head. I still want to enjoy myself. Life should not stop because of this. Well, maybe it should stop somewhere. You think about it and you're going somewhere. Yeah. So some changes need to happen in the Muslim world and in the Muslim mind in order for things to improve and get better. Most certainly it is going to come. Most certainly it is going to come. 
Alimil Ghaib. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the knower of the Ghaib. He knows what's going to happen. Ghaib here could be specifically for what's going to happen in the future, because this relates to the word as the future, the time when the hour actually arrives. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what's happened in the past and knows what's going to happen in the future relevant to us. That's the ghayb in this ayah. So he knows what's going to happen. And if you want him to help us, then we must see him as praiseworthy. And we must see him as someone who does everything that is praiseworthy, including helping us, rescuing us, delivering us from whatever evil and calamity that might come to us. We ask Allah for his protection that no calamity evil befalls us and he gives us the tawfiq to prepare and to do what pleases him the most. As the Prophet said about sadaqah, that sadaqah, good charity, distinguishes the anger of your Lord. Right? It seems that we're not in a position to say that Allah is happy with us. Would you say that? According to the situation around us. <laughs> you'd, you'd have to be a moron to believe Allah is happy with you here. <laughs> no. What's the good news? The good news is a way out. Which is worthy of praise. What's that way out? Start behaving as if there's going to be a festival tomorrow. That there's a party tomorrow. Behave in a very serious way. Get serious with life, your own life, and the life of your children. Stop uh, uh, entertaining the idea that life is a beach and life is a party. For Muslims, once you have that seriousness, then you will see Allah's pleasure. And you will see Allah's rahmah. And you will see that Allah is going to do what he does best. And that is rescue the ummah from every potential disaster and calamity. To show that he is in charge. And people who don't believe in him, they're not in charge. That's the test. But it might be too bitter for some people. They don't want to hear that no one else is in charge. They want to be in charge. Or they want other than Muslims to be in charge for some reason. Some kind of uh, communal, uh, societal inferiority complex where God is not good enough for the Muslims. That's the disease. The Muslims don't believe God and Islam. They're good enough for them. It has to be a different system, a different culture, a different value. It has to be something else besides this boring, tedious religion. So when you say your issue is that you've seen this only as a religion and not as a universal mindset, as a philosophy of life, as a reason for your existence. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made haram fewer things than he has left halal. Where is that a burden? There are more illegal things in the U.S. than there are halal. You count the number of illegal things in American law and you count what Allah has made haram. It's no-brainer. What Allah has made haram, you can count on your fingers. 
What is illegal in this country, you need volumes and volumes of statutory law to read before you become a lawyer. This is illegal, this is illegal, this is illegal. So which system is better for the human mind, for the human psyche, for your well-being? Right? Take your financial transactions. How many issues in Islam are haram when it comes to your financial transactions? A few. The fuqaha will list on one page. Even less than that. What is haram illegal in your financial transactions in the U.S.? You need an encyclopedia. It's a mindset. that This inferiority that has crept in because of materialism. I believe I'm here to enjoy myself. Nobody in the world is going to tell me not to enjoy myself. And it doesn't matter that the storm is coming tomorrow. I don't care. I want my nachos with the cheese. Very childish approach to Islam. Life, obviously, life in general, people are childish to it. But Islam in general, you see that this surah, Surah Sabah, will bring out, it will reveal, because the Quran is a revelation. When you read the story of the people of Sabah, Sheba, you will see exactly what I'm saying. That this is how they behave. It is their mindset. That there's no... uh, there's no day of judgment. And there's no accountability. As long as I have my fun, I'm okay. I don't care about others. When others are now going to destroy you. So the, 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 the thrust of the surah is that you, you think good about Allah. As the Prophet summarized, أَحْسِنُ الظَّنَّ بِرَبِّكُمْ Very unique perspective. That... Have a good opinion about your Lord. أَحْسِنُ الظَّنَّ بِرَبِّكُمْ That every time something goes wrong in your life, you don't blame God. And Allah is here. Yeah, he created this, and He's the one who's going to help me come out of it. If He helps me come out of it the way I would like, Alhamdulillah. And if He helps, doesn't help me that way, then I know that He will reward me for my patience then you can say Alhamdulillah in the Akhirah. Patience. This is the way forward for Muslims in any culture, any civilization, in any point in time in history, in human history, no one's been spared from trial and tribulation. No one. No community, no civilization. That's just the way the world works. So, so that, to, to think that all of a sudden we had a free ticket for some reason, that was now childish. So the future is that we should not be that childish. Enjoy what Allah has made halal within the context of your environment. And if you don't believe that, then look into the seerah of all the prophets before, all the sahaba, all the awliya of Allah, all the other Muslim civilizations that have come in Muslim history. You'll see that they all went through these issues, but alhamdulillah, they were able to survive and come out of it. Inshallah, we make dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He showers His blessings, His rahmah upon us and saves us from calamities and disasters and saves us from the evil effects of our own actions. Ameen ya rabbal alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayr 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 kh